This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Good morning, this is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by Manchester United legend Paul Parker to talk over. Um, interesting week at Manchester United. Um if you're watching live on YouTube, please like and subscribe. If you're um, watching on Facebook or YouTube, feel free to get your questions in as well. Feel free to comment if you are watching the replay because we still do reply to um, comments and conversation there. Um, how are you doing this week, Paul? You all right? Yeah, I've been fine. Thank you very much, Wayne. Good stuff. Uh, before we begin, just want to do a little note. Last night, obviously, um, Cristiano Ronaldo announced that, um, well, announced, sorry, I got that in my head because it was in the Metro or something that he announced it. And announced is the wrong way to say it. He, he shared the news that his, his partner, who had given birth to twins, um, sadly, their baby boy passed away, which is absolutely tragic. And obviously, our condolences. And wishes go out to Cristiano and his partner and their family as well. Um, very um, just terrible news and traumatic. Uh, one of the worst experiences anyone can go through. One of those experiences that transcends football is an equaliser of um, celebrity and finance. It's just a terrible, terrible thing. So we, you know, our best wishes obviously go to them. Um, Tyler, with an early comment, he says, Hi, lads. Good morning, Tyler. Hope you're doing well. Um, all right, like, well, I mean, Ronaldo's going to be someone that we are talking about anyway to kick off, Paul. Um, United 3, Norwich 2. Um, I don't really know where to start with this because it's a very surreal um, atmosphere around Old Trafford on Saturday, um, obviously. You had the protest, which, um, which was involving... Uh, the supporters who came in 17 minutes in, after the kickoff, and obviously we saw Trafford such a vast stadium. There were pockets of fans missing. Obviously, they missed the first goal from Ronaldo. Um, but when they all came in in the 17th minute, it was like because all the entrances are spaced around the stadium, we didn't have the sort of flood effects that you would imagine. Apart from the TRA section um, next to Stratford End, obviously, because a lot more people from the TRA who were in the protest, they um, came through. 
there and it obviously filled up there a lot more than the other areas. So, I mean, there was that. Um, but really, as things tend to do with United, other things happened in the game and overtook that as, as the headlines. I mean, United were 2 0 up, coasting, and then Norwich inexplicably came back into the game. Um, I really don't know where to begin with that because, I mean, they were, this is literally Manchester United in a nutshell. They're 2 0 up against the worst team in the league, and we've talked about lows and lows and lows throughout the last few years, but to capitulate the way that they did and have Norwich for large periods of the second half look like they were going to win on the counter-attack. That is exactly United in a nutshell. 2 nil up, throw it away, and this proud record, and I know football didn't start with the Premier League, but the record is there nonetheless that you were part of on day from day one. United have never lost a game at Old Trafford when they're in front of half-time. It looked like that was going to be endangered to be in the basically the worst league against one of the worst teams, and it was only this Ronaldo exceptional moment of magic close to the end, which um, which gets the points, and then you have all the Pogba kerfuffle after it, and and the strange substitutions again, which had the journeymen coming on and, and none of the young kids when you thought this might be a good chance to play them. I know we've talked about perhaps it's not the best time to bring them in. Bit of a mess of a game, Paul. Uh, and really, it's one of those things like, what else do you expect at this point? Obviously, that's the kind of thing that we're going to expect from Manchester United. But even so, finding a new way to disappoint us against a very bad Norwich team is just... What is it to say? It was dreadful, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody was surprised, really, to be perfectly honest. I mean, yes, I think everyone expected Manchester United to beat Norwich, but and what they actually had, what they actually witnessed, didn't surprise a lot of people because of the way they've been playing the season. They haven't extended themselves physically. They haven't shown any form at all, any hint that they can get back, get back to some kind of Manchester United way of dominating the game, players, you know, individual, the individuals getting people off their seat, but it hasn't happened for a season. There hasn't really been one bright game this season where you can actually say, I wish it was like that. I wish we'd have done that and carried it on because it, it just hasn't, the, the change of manager hasn't really added anything, to be honest, really. All it done, all it, it's never had the, um, the injection that something that happens to a lot of teams when they change managers, that kind of straight away the players react and everyone wants to show off, we can do this. And you're questioning players' men mentality when they go and do things. That hasn't happened. So straight away, you just know that they really, really don't care. The manager can't do anything. I said it a thousand times, right? He cannot do anything because he's not a manager. He's just there. He's a, he's a bloke who's just come in just to see him in the mornings when they train, say, well done, and then they go home. He's, he's got no control over him. He can't discipline them because they would laugh at him, the majority of them. They, they wouldn't really listen. They, he, you know, if he says anything nasty to them, they're not going to go home and think about it, knowing are they going to play the next game or anything like that. Because they know in a certain way they're going to play and they don't really care. And when you've got players who are leaving the club and, you know, Fair play to the likes of maybe Matage and Mata. I mean, the way they've got, they've been very professional in the way they've conducted themselves. But still, 
surely they know themselves, you know, what, you know, what are they playing for? Why are they playing? When in most clubs, most clubs going in that direction, you wouldn't expect them to, you wouldn't expect to see them. And I don't think the fans would turn against them because their contracts are running out. I think they'd, they'd be appreciated for what they've done before, but you're putting them on and you, I can only imagine what kind of effect that had when, yeah. when Matic comes on with, the, with everyone in the stadium kind of being a little bit bemused about why that substitute, why was it needed? Why wasn't there maybe someone coming on who's in contract still, or maybe even someone younger, just to give them a little run out there, just to maybe lighten it and take the pressure away when a young player comes on, because the real, the real fans do not want anything to upset a young player. They want it right for it to come on, so you know, so we can go forward. So everything's wrong with a club the way it's been, the way it's been managed on and off the pitch. To be perfectly honest, and on the pitch now it's falling in that category, and the whole saga now with a management situation like. That needs to be put to bed ASAP. So everyone knows the press can stop writing down. You know, like the press suddenly know all about the new manager coming in, like they knew all about the interim manager coming in. Where in theory, they didn't really know anything. They just, if some of them aren't embellishing it, all they're doing is just maybe just adding a few, you know, just taking a punt really on who he wants and this and that. And, and as you know, I think there's a good, good chance this is just going to be another story on the Magic Roundabout. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, there was some magic from Ronaldo. Obviously, his first two finishes, Alanga doing really well for the first one. Um, and the second, a good head from a corner. But it's the third one that's got everyone talking, the free kick, which was a really great strike. Um, and... I mean, people have sort of talked about Ronaldo over the season. We've had this conversation and, you know, it didn't appear to be a signing that Ollie had sort of gone out and said, we definitely need Ronaldo. It was an opportunistic signing given to him. Um, you could say it's upset the apple cart it, or whatever, but you've got this world-class striker or, or formerly world-class striker. I don't actually think I, I did a tweet and it got it went a bit viral and I think a lot of people took it out of context. I said something like the big surprise for me about Ronaldo getting more than twenty goals is that I don't think I've seen us create twenty chances. And it was oh we well we created twenty chances against Watford and then twenty chances against Middlesbrough. I'm like well did you watch them games? And yeah all right we have created chances and we have been wasteful. Obviously I was being facetious. There's a very obvious fight there. We've created a lot more than 20 chances but the service and Ronaldo has missed his fair share of chances as well but the service hasn't generally been great we're not a really good chance creating side apart from one or two players and you know have they been informed they've been hit and miss this season I think I, I read that Bruno's got six assists or something which isn't really great um, Sancho has been fits and starts um, so for Ronaldo to, to have done what he's done and a couple of metrics in, in recent weeks, I mean, he kept us in the Champions League with the late winners and, you know, they seem to be having a point to prove there. And it's it's fair to say, Paul, that if there's one player who's determined to get us into the Champions League next season, however improbable it looks, it's Ronaldo, right? Because, I mean, that, in, in a sea of dross, he was exceptional again on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, he's... he's personal ambition, to be honest, really, that's carrying through. He wants to play in another one. 
I don't know if it means there's a, there's a record there or something, if he does play in another one, but he's desperate to play another one to score more goals as well in the, in the tournament. That is, if he's still at Manchester United, and again, this is the, what you're reading, what the, the press are writing, they're virtually saying that the supposed incoming manager has got no interest in keeping him. So, mm. you know, so you don't know if he's going to be there. If he didn't keep him, I don't think it would surprise a lot of people. I think people then would believe that they're going to step forward and go and really go out and bring in someone, bring in a different centre forward and really going to make a change. So that could be a positive on that side. But when they have given him the opportunities to to score goals, he's scored goals. And like you just mentioned there, you, you said it all there, Manchester United are not a creative team, mm. you know. I never thought I'd actually ever say that, ever, or even think about it. And it and it's happened. It's slowly yeah. happened over the last couple of seasons. Even under Ollie, when there was on this, you know, when there was, you know, this, you know, this supposed great away run, um, they went on. It was always just late goals, and it wasn't goalkeepers being overworked. It was dependent on key players to get them out of trouble, um, yeah. and that was all papered over and wasn't really worked on and sometimes you should always you should look at the positives so you should look at the negatives more more so than what you do the positives because the negatives are the ones that are going to cost you and that's what's cost Manchester United individual players who have been playing when they shouldn't have been playing if they'd have been pulled away left out for them to understand and make up their mind how they want to be while they're at Manchester United Manchester United could have been in a, in a slightly better place than where they are now. Now, everything bad about <laughs> a football club, which you talk about, when you talk, I always use the expression about the sour apple in the barrel. And I think yeah. that's, that's, coming, that's coming to play now, Wayne. It's really, really there now. And the problem is there could be too many soured that could actually lengthen the time it takes any incoming person to get anything done and sort it out and take the club forward. That is the because those people will fight back because they're not involved and they will try and influence other people to have their own little firm within within the club. And it's it's not good. It's really not good. And and you got someone like Ronaldo, and it is personal with him. He it is about him. If anyone says any different, then they're not really looking at the full picture. It is about him. It's it's him first. He wants records. He wants to and he. But he needs all the others to help him get to those to get to those bits. So that's where the team side of it comes on. So it is important in this moment in time that they feed him. Yeah. Because he's the only yeah. one. He's the only one. He's the only one who's going to score goals, Wayne. At this moment in time, you can't look at anyone else or depend on anyone else. As you know, you can depend on others to try and create and to huff and puff. But they're minimal. Those kind of players, the ones you can rely on to get United over the line and. I, I've been saying it, when I look at it, I think when you're, you're Arsenal, you're Tottenham, you're Manchester United, those three should get together and say, I'll tell you what, we give full, we give full spot to West Ham because we don't deserve it as a so-called yeah. big club. That's what they should yeah. do. They should, those three clubs should be really, really embarrassed. And to be honest, the media should be embarrassed as well by the way they've conducted themselves with, with Tottenham, especially the way... When they win a couple of games, they want to throw them up in the air. They're this, they're that. Harry Kane's this. Everything's fantastic in the garden. And all of a sudden, you saw at the weekend, they get totally outplayed by Brighton. The only thing that saves Spurs an embarrassment was the fact of Brighton's biggest weakness is they don't kill teams off. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely been a case of falling over. Um, teams falling over in that race for for fourth. Uh, a couple of comments coming in from the Red Angle. Morning, guys. Morning. Hope you're well. Simon Bennett says, I'm confident of a good result today. We'll get into that in a moment. Um, you're more confident than I am. I'll, I'll tell you that for sure. Um, if you're watching, uh, do feel free to join in the comment section. It's great to have the conversation. Paul, you talked about sour apples. Well, before before we actually get on to that, um, let, let's, a, a word of praise for the at-trick goal because, I mean, Ronaldo's free kick is exceptional when he takes it. What I really like about Ronaldo's thing, and, and it's funny because I ended up watching a compilation video because my nephew was up and he loves Ronaldo, so he was watching best Ronaldo goals. He's got a really good way of taking the the free kicks over to the side where you would expect the goalkeeper to cover it, and that's what he did on Saturday. Um, the technique is fantastic, and it, it was a great goal, wasn't it, Paul? I mean, he scored the top two goals of the month last month and this is probably going to be United's best goal this month as well. Yeah, and without, without a doubt, I, w- I will say though, I mean, you talked about, you know, about the free kick, you talk about the te- technique. We do know that he is, you know, he has hit more more walls but than an actual, you know, crane carrying something and demolish a brick wall. And he is, you know, the last time, I don't know when the last time he scored a free kick, I don't even know the last time he's hit a post, hit a bar, or, you know, he's hit walls. He's, he's had a terrible time over the years with his free kicks and one's coming to fruition for the first time in a long, long time, by the way. They're fantastic. But as you could say, he has been a, a little bit a little bit more of a miss than a hit with his free kicks of late. And it needed something because if he wasn't going to score, who, who was going to score? So... Yeah. I wouldn't want to manage, imagine the scenes if I had a draw in that game 2 2. Well, thankfully, we did not. Um, one little note, which I, I was quick to send you a message about afterwards, was um, Jeremy Goss was interviewed for the match program. And he was um, it was clear that they, the people interviewing him had put the loaded, loaded questions, leading questions in, you know, like, oh, what was it like to play against Robson and Cantonara and gigs and stuff like that? But he, he made a, a point of mentioning you. Um, you know, you were the first one that he clearly made a point of mentioning, although he was a bit um a bit generous in his assessment of how how versatile you were. I know that you played in a couple of positions, but he had you down as a someone who played at left back and in defensive midfield as well. And I can't really remember you rocking up in those positions, Paul. I'm sure you could have played them comfortably, but um nice to of him to do that though, wasn't it, Jeremy? And obviously everyone Anyone of a certain age, I mean, my age, 40, will remember Jeremy Goss scoring this absolutely world-class volley for Norwich against Bayern Munich, um, their most, probably their most famous result of all time. And by all accounts, Jeremy, and a lifelong United fan as well. So nice of him to take a moment and actually praise the, the real unsung hero of that team, Paul Parker. <laughs> Have you got your telephone number? I'll ring him up. I thank him personally. No, it's always, it's always good to be to be mentioned by by um, um, fellow pros. But he, he was a very very good player, and in that in that season as well, at ninety two ninety three, Norwich were a good side. I mean, you remember that, Wayne? They were very very good. They played, you know, talk about now and the football that people play. There was a lot of sides who played good, wanted to play good football. Norwich was definitely up there. They, they were never looking to smash it from one end to the other. They always played. They had 
Ian Crook in midfield as well, who was a very, yeah. very good footballer as well. So um, they were decent. They gave us a good run for the money that season, them and Aston Villa in, in a certain way. But Norwich were the surprise team and they wasn't far away at one point. I mean, when we beat them in that game at Carrow Road, if, if, they'd have got in, if they'd have taken three points from us at that time, that was them definitely in the mix. I think that was the one. That I think they were tough. Them, they were tough going into that game. Yeah, so. yeah. I think that mentally took the wind out of them. Mentally took the wind out of them. If they could have just beaten United at Carrow Road, the place would have been jumping, and then they would have really believed that Norwich were going to win the top division. And yeah. at that given time, it would have been, it would have been maybe bigger than Leicester City winning the Premier League, in my yeah. opinion. No. If, Norwich, if Norwich, yeah, if Norwich won that league, you know, won the league at that given time. Paul, talk, talk to me about that. I mean, before we move on, so I, I, you know, I like to reminisce. You'd been at United for like 18, 19, 20 months at that point. And you know, obviously you played well. You won. You came into a side that won the Cup Winners Cup. Um, working with Clayton Blackmore, he always says that he felt for a period United, the squad felt that they were the best team in, in Europe on account of winning Red Star Belgrade. But all definitely felt like the best team in the league, even when Leeds... Um, Leeds won the title. There was a general consensus. All right, well, they got a bit lucky because United's fixture pile up and everything like that. But it wasn't really until that Norwich game and after so Cantona had been there for a few months, everything clicked into gear, didn't it? I mean, that was the first time that you played against Coventry. I remember there was a game against Coventry, which was probably the best Ferguson performance up until that point, where we won five 0 I think it was Boxing Day. And then a few days later, when you scored that world-class goal against Spurs, that was another great performance where everyone remembers for the Cantona assist for, to Irwin. And those were great performances. But the Norwich one, where Cantona, it was a one-touch football, the speed of the play, the way that everyone was in sync with each other, the way that everyone sort of seemed to be in tune to the idea of either get the ball wide or get the ball to Cantona where he would exploit an offside trap because Norwich in particular on that evening but other teams were doing it as well they were pressing high and obviously we had Kanchelskis, Giggs and Sharp what was it like because you're, you're stood back in a really good position to watch this happening the kind of defender's nightmare wasn't it because they had attack from every single angle what was it like when you're playing in it is it, is it get the ball to Eric or is it get the ball as, as like down the right to Andre as, as quickly as possible and we was all we was always told by the boss if, if Eric asks for the ball, you give it to him. You know, it was as it was as simple as that. That's what he said to us, the boss. Just if he wants it, you give it to him. It doesn't matter how many players he's got around him. If he, if he wants it, you give it to him. And, and that's how it was. Obviously, common sense was being used, by the way, on when yeah. we gave it to him. But it was about that. And I always look at it that you got players who can play. You got players. Who can who can do this, do that? It's about knowing your strengths, your limitations. And my one for me, I always say to people, "Who I've done, I'll try to retrieve it and give it to someone who can do that a little bit more than me, or a lot more." And that's and that's and that's the way it was done. And Norwich in that game, I don't think I don't think I overlapped once because the simple reason <laughs> they were so high is that the yeah. likes of Andre, I mean, they was just run, they was just running on. Sharpie was running on. They left so much space in behind, and they didn't have the quickest centre halves, you know. Mm. And there was so much space to run in behind, and you know. And Eric, once Eric got going, 
he was quick as anybody. Him and Big Pete, if you put them, you know, those two, you put them on a football pitch and you, you run, you know, from box to box, those two would be in the front. Those, those two plus Pally would be in the front three. The yeah. likes of me, Giggsy, um, Sharpie and Andre, you know, those, maybe, maybe over that longer distance, not compete against them because they were strong runners and the amount of space they left them behind, Paul Ince, Ince made out of cavalry charge as well, didn't he, in that game as well. Yeah. There was just, they just decided that they were going to go for it and, you know, they were brave in what they tried to do. And, and we was frustrated, you know, but that, but, but that, tw- that first, that initial 20 minutes absolutely killed everything they wanted to do. I don't think they expected that to happen. Um, yeah. But every time we played against any team that come out, want to want to get up against us that's what always happened and and that's something you know and the season before we never had that as we went on once we got past february march teams started to sit deeper and deeper and we Mm. we never had maybe that cutting edge at that given time that kind of change or maybe that little bit of rubber the green which you need sometimes to get over the line like manchester city a few years ago um, company with a goal against Leicester, you know, yeah. that real late goal, that great strike, and we didn't really get that at that given time. But you have to say that that game against Norwich, and maybe one of, if you were look, looking at a game for twenty minutes, there wouldn't be many games of today's era that could match that. No, absolutely not. I would urge anyone who um, wants to look at the genesis of a great Manchester United side, look at the season reviews from like 91, 92 all the way, well 91, 92, 92, 93 93, 94 and just look at the evolution of that and that period in particular, that early spring, the Coventry well the winter with Coventry and Spurs and then the Norwich game and just watch how the cogs start to, to turn in that team because honestly, I and I'm biased I know that was my team. I grew up watching you and I fell in love with that team in, in a way that I haven't had my imagination captured by even the treble side or the 2008 European Cup winners because the football was so blistering, so penetrative. Oh, God, it, that was Man- that's Manchester United for me. And I don't think, you know what I mean? You can, that's why I, I like to watch the evolution of teams as well. I like to see them develop to see if they, we can ever get to that point and, don't get me wrong, we've played some exceptional football. The the way that the 99 side played and the way that they were telepathic with each other because of the, the number of games that they played together. But there's just something rapier about that um, speed in, in that team. It was just unbelievable and just a great, great side. And yeah, playing Norwich always reminds me of that that game, that twenty minute spell. Can, um, Fergie said like a year later when you played against Wimbledon and sort of like with all the battering. And I watched it the other day. Um, actually, the highlights of it. Well, I think it was might, might have been a few weeks ago when the the anniversary of that Wimbledon game came around, which we won three 0 I think the full game highlights might be on YouTube actually. But everyone remembers that Vinnie Jones going in on the knee eye tackle on Cantona. But I, I, when I was watching it again, I think he'd done one on, on you earlier on. Do you know what I mean? And you just got up mm. and dealt with it. And you've you said about that before. And and I think after that, so obviously Wimbledon came at us and they absolutely like, physically tried to intimidate us. And we stood up to it and then just played them off the park in a way that 
you really have to understand how physical that Wimbledon side was, which you can get a feeling of it in that first 20 minutes. And then Fergie said afterwards something like, you only get a handful of those games a season where a team is is that good um, and playing that well. But if you want to see the formation of that, then you have to rewind to like the Norwich game and, and the Coventry game and stuff like that because it's... It's just fascinating as a United fan to watch it. Anyway, that, I'm just reminiscing because... Yeah. Um... Just, just one, yeah, just one quick thing about that as well. That that game against Wimbledon, and there was a few like that as well, when you went away from home, because it was always a case of that old adage of um, you got to win the battle to win the war. You couldn't just yeah. go and suddenly, because you're Manchester United, and go out and just play great football. It was every, teams, every team in that division wanted to beat Manchester United. When mm. we went away from home, they wanted to win. They didn't leave players out and go, well, it's not It's not a winnable game. The winnable game's next week or Tuesday night. We'll rest players. You played your best players in every game because your best players won you things. But the discipline, and you mentioned Eric, when Vinnie Jones hit him and the way Eric reacted, because mm. it was that side of it, you're away from home. Vinnie Jones wanted Eric to react, to get in his head. Yep. Eric didn't. Eric didn't go and he didn't get anywhere near it. Didn't even square up. Didn't even look at him. Just carried on and just played. So we're talking about discipline. We're looking at. I look at today's football and <laughs> discipline. You have to be stronger discipline-wise now than what you do today because the challenges ain't aren't like they are. And the one thing about it is that Eric could have rolled around that floor, and. Mm-hmm. There's a chance that Vinny might have got some, you know, worse happened to him than what did. I don't think he even got a yellow card, did he? But it I'm was, not sure there, if there he was, did. No, but, but there was mm. none of that, that. None of that went around. People just didn't really, majority didn't really want to go that way. So that, that's a, another big difference in yesterday, yesteryear's game compared to today. The ball was in play in a lot more minutes because we wanted yeah. to play. <laughs> nice. Not stop, start. Incredible, incredible games those. Um, and and Fergie, I think he was being probably not even um, giving you due credit because I mean I remember more than a handful of games in that ninety three ninety four season, uh, which is probably the best I've ever seen United play. Um, so yeah, oh let's done reminiscing. Uh, one thing that we didn't cover from the Norwich game, um, Paul Pogba. Um, obviously, he had a dreadful cameo against Everton. That was very much fresh in the mind when he played um, against Norwich, coasting through the game like he normally does. Very sloppy. Um, yeah, a couple of good passes, which Pogba can do, but you're getting bullied by or outplayed by Norwich's midfield at Old Trafford. That's the lowest bar. That's the lowest bar. I mean, I can remember was it Cardiff that we played against in the final game of the season a few game, a few years ago, and he got sent off because he was getting embarrassed by them. Cardiff, and it happened again against Norwich. Um, he was eventually brought off. Old Trafford. And I've never seen this before. Um, someone said that it happened to a player in the early eighties, and I can't remember who it was that they mentioned it about, but um, but I've never witnessed it. Um, basically, a crowd reacting as angrily as they did to Paul Pogba. Um, they cheered him coming off, and then there were a few swear words um, which left um, no imagination necessary as to what they wanted him to do. Um, and how often they want to see me in United shirt again. 
Look, so that was a criticism for Pogba. He was cheered as he came off and then booed because blah, blah, blah. And then as he was walking to the tunnel at the end, they were boo- the fans were booing him over there, um, which I, I don't know if I... I don't know if it's right to even get into what I think about that, but, um, you know, people pay the money, they deserve the chance to say what they want to say. Um, I think that's Keno or Mark talking there. He says um, Pogba was awful Saturday strolling around the pitch. Yeah, he was. He was He was poor. Um, um, I'll come to Red Angle in a moment with that comment because obviously we're moving from the Pogba situation there. So Pogba, obviously, he played poorly, was brought off. This reaction to him, as he's walking off the pitch, he cups his ears to the fans who are remaining. Obviously, let's say, no, go on, boom, if you want. Now, Paul... Obviously, it's an all-time low, the relationship between the fans and Pogba. A lot of people coming out in defence of Pogba saying, oh, well, nobody deserves to get booed. But, and I'm not saying that they do. I I don't necessarily agree with it. I didn't boo him, and I wouldn't boo him, um, even with everything that's happened. But the disrespect he's shown the club over the last few years has been unbelievable. I've never seen it from a player before. The... The club covering up when he had injuries, only for him to be posting stuff when he's in in Dubai, when he's meant to have ankle injuries. I'm almost fairly certain that top athletes shouldn't have been taking long old flights when you've got possibility of ankle swelling and stuff like that. You've had posts of him bragging about that on social media. You've had his agent coming out before numerous big games touting him to different places. You've had this contract on the table that talk of negotiating for a new deal for at least four years and it's never been signed, culminating in this um, this position that we're in right now where he's running out his contract and he's going to leave. And still some people are saying he should sign a contract. Still some people are saying, oh, we should give him a, a new deal and everything like that. Um I don't know that. Where do you stand on this? Because I don't necessarily agree with the booing. I think that Pogba as much as as much of a right as a right to retaliate. If, if you know, I'm not necessarily upset that he cupped his ears, but I'm upset that he showed the lack of dignity to do it. Yeah, all right, he got booed, and people were showing the frustration. But they're showing the frustration because last week at Everton, he came on when we were losing. And he clearly didn't care. He got booked for a needless tackle. And then he tried to... It was only the fact that he knew how it would look when he went to physically punch the ball away that he decided, oh, I'm not going to do that because I know it'll look obvious I'm going to get sent off. He just didn't care. He doesn't care. And there's, I just don't... I, I don't know. Paul, where do you stand? We've talked about Pogba so, so many times on this podcast, and it's now reaching the end game, and I'm so looking forward to never having to talk about him again. But we have to, because of, this is like a headline thing. He's basically um, responding to the fans. He's like, we know, booming, blah, 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 and all that sort of stuff. Where do you stand on that? I find it disrespectful, but I, I appreciate that he has the right to respond if people are being negative to him. I'm not throwing him under the bus for that. I just think, like, just if anything sums up this absolute catastrophe of a signing, that on on Saturday was it? Well, I look at it when people come out. I don't know. This is new age people about people being booed, and you know, people want to be offended for other people. 
at the end of the day, you get on with it. You sometimes, <laughs> don't know, you, you get what you deserve in the end. And I look at the way he's gone. And the thing is a lack of effort. People can relate to, in a certain way, bad game. Someone has an awful game. You're a human being. You are going to make mistakes. It's going to happen. But the one thing is that you can control, which you've got which you've got the biggest involvement in is wanting to work hard and he hasn't shown that at all. Um, yeah. On the boo, I believe it's, hor- it's, a, it's a horrible place to be and I've never, I would say I've never had direct <laughs> booing at me for any, but I've, I've had a few things thrown at me. I won't bother telling you what they are, I think you know that one. Um, but you get on with it. Did, did I ever react in a, in a negative manner towards those people. No, I didn't give them that for that for me to react that way. I would I would smile. Um, you might shrug your shoulders, but to say people are wrong to boo, I think it's wrong to actually say that because people pay money and all they want to yeah. do is see people work hard. You got children. You, you're looking at Pogba's this big name. You, you go there with your kids. And they're watching and they might come and say, but he doesn't run around, Dad. He's not running around. He he doesn't look bothered. You know, things like that. So it's not a good show out that way as well. I look at his contract situation. I would say that's Sir Alex Ferguson. He offers a contract and he won't, he, he won't give a decision. You, come, you take it back. Because yeah. that means straight away you've lost something. He doesn't really want to be there. He wants to think about it. Um, you ask what you got to think about if he can come back with something positive for you to say, okay, you can have this amount of time if that's the issue, then fine. But if he's just sitting there waiting for what he can deem the biggest bid, then he's got to come off the table. If he was to sign another contract, then the club is wrecking the club even more because other players will look at it and they'll go, well, hold a minute, I'm not as talented as you are. <laughs> I haven't got a World Cup winners like winner's medal like you've got or Serie A winning medals but I work hard I've sweat blood I've been out injured because I've gone beyond the call of duty sometimes maybe to cover up for your failings but I'm sitting here and I'm getting nothing said to me but you've got another one there to go and earn maybe double what I'm getting shouldn't be that way didn't bother Mm. me I knew I knew my strengths Um, I knew that the goal scorers are going to get a lot more than me but so that could affect a whole squad before even the manager starts. So if you're the new manager, if you're the manager coming in, you would come in and say, I'll take control of that situation now about what happens with Paul Pogba. That's what, yeah. that's what you do. Because if that's allowed to go on, that, will, that means this whole thing will carry on because there'll be a lot of disgruntled players within the camp and it can't go that way. New manager comes in, it should be a clean slate, says what he says and he tells players he's allowed he, he shouldn't be allowed it's a fact if you're in charge of people you tell them exactly how things stand and what you think about them and if they can't deal with it they can sit and play in the under 23s um and then they can look to move on and, and that's and that's the best way it can be as far as i'm concerned you paul pogba and i defended him during that time the way Mourinho and the way Mourinho was talking about him. If Jose Mourinho had been a little bit more, I was going to look for him, be more professional as a manager and how he dealt with what he saw as a, a bad egg, then 
then maybe I might, um, would have gone more with him. But the way he wanted to shout him down, embarrass him all the time, you can't do things like that. You can't do it that way, especially when you're meant to be this big-name manager. It doesn't work. But Paul Pogba, this time, hasn't helped himself. Now, if I'm a club looking at him, I would, if that was, if, you know, sporting director and other clubs looking at him, and you're the yeah. manager, you're kind of going, well, hold on a minute. <laughs> I've seen what he's doing there. Is he going to come here and do the same thing? If your players and he comes into your club, you're going to think, hold on a minute, I watched you playing for Manchester United, you haven't bothered. So if you yeah. come here and, you, and you're going great, what about when things are during the bad times? What are you going to be like then? Are you just going to shut down and walk about? And when mm-hmm. people have a go at you, you're going to turn around and disrespect the fans as such? Or a couple of years, are you going to react to it? I really don't. So really, common sense to me says, just let them go. To call it, just wash your hands a bit. You know, you've, you've earned your money off his shirts. You've, you've got a silly emoji out of him as well. Just, just let, let, it, let it ride. He's gone. Yeah. Well, yeah, he has gone, but unfortunately still remains because we still have to go um, experience stuff like we did on, on Saturday. Um, yeah, the Red Angle says Di Maria gets a lot of stick for his horrid time with us and his antics after leaving. Pogba makes him look like a saint. Yeah, look, and it's a funny thing, I think because we've been so bad, that there's this division where a lot of these big name players who are, I think have just exacerbated the problem. Um, you know, they 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 get a defence from certain people who think, well, you you got to build the talent around them. But it's not the point. The point is, you uh, keep saying this. You need five or six players working hard, and you need the other four or five to be the star uh, star players. You can't have a team that's built with 11 players thinking that they're stars. Um, and that's what United have tried to do, and it's failed absolutely spectacularly. Uh, Red Angle says about McTominay, gets 20 grand, shows more commitment that Pogba's goal stuck, scoring numbers aren't bad. All that still gets a, a lot of stick. Yeah, good point. But again, McTominay is he the right person? The point is that's where United are at the moment in time, that even that feels like a, a nice comparison because yes, you probably want McTominay in there, but McTominay is not going to take us where we need to be. Um, right, that's all it. McTominay is not going to be playing tonight. Um, neither is Fred, neither is Varane. And I wouldn't think that Ronaldo's going to play either because of what's happened, um, which means it's actually quite a strong likelihood that Pogba will play, even though he should be nowhere near the team again at Anfield um, against a team who are going to be desperately hungry to try and replicate the score. I mean, their, their incentive is going to be to match the 5-0 that they got Old Trafford, they're going to be looking at absolutely humiliating us. And we've got United who are vulnerable enough to let that happen to them. Everyone who you're listening to from United who've come out to speak are actually, I think they're saying the decent things. I mean, De Gea came out straight after the game and said, we didn't play well against Norwich. Nobody's pretending we did. Ragnick said that, you know, if we make those kind of mistakes against Liverpool, we're going to get heavily beaten. Even Maguire came out and he said, you know, like it's, it's not about stopping Liverpool winning the league. We've got to be better. And I, yeah, all right. You wheel Maguire out to say anything and he's still going to get criticism, but at least he did it. I didn't think he said the wrong thing. A lot of people saying the right thing before the game. But Paul, we've been here so many times we, against Watford, where they were obviously they had the return game from the humiliation of Vicarage Road. They didn't show any kind of character to say we want to 
right that wrong and Watford were a team easy enough for them to be able to do that if they'd have shown the character to do that. Against City, they were obviously as demoralised as they were at Old Trafford. Um, so I don't personally hold a lot of um, optimism for tonight. It's a massive game, a massive game for this United side. It's going to be, I mean, the way that we look at the season, obviously we've got Chelsea and Arsenal coming up in the next couple of games as well. Um it's going to be a definitive week and we'll talk about that in a moment. But in terms of the Liverpool one, it's kind of like, really, because there's no cup final, there's no semi-final, there's nothing for this season. So this is going to be the last big statement of this Manchester United side. And really, if there's anything that we know about that, they'll probably fail to deliver in a spectacular way, right? I mean, that's what all the ingredients, everything, I don't want to be the, the forecaster of doom or anything, but the way that everything is sort of set up, the way that we know that they deliver on the underwhelming things that they promised, that's kind of what we're expecting, right? You know, nobody's expecting this to be a good night for Manchester United. No, not, not at all, to be perfectly honest. I can't say anything that make me believe that they can go and do anything at all. That performance against Norwich is not the right performance you want to go into a game like this. You like to think there was you can look at something and say this is where the edge could be. There's nothing mm. there. All you can do is cross your fingers and hope that they can survive survive the first ten minutes. Because if Paul Pogba starts, the fans are gonna be on to him. Liverpool fans will make this tribal warfare without a shadow of doubt. Mm. They will treat this as they would do maybe one of their Champions League's nights, but this will be even bigger because it's Manchester Manchester United. Man City, still mentally, a lot of them haven't got over what happened to them in that Champions League game that um, few years back when they went there and been with their coach and stuff. Well, I mean, that's been happening to Manchester United for years, going to Anfield, and that was only in league games, just league games. So this is going to be just as big. They know United are failing so they're not going to be sympathetic in any way. They're going to be going at them maybe even more than they normally do to really test players. And it's, a, it's going to be a big test for a few players, really, mm. how how big their hearts are, how, how you know what drive they've got. Do they really want to be there? Because this is going to be a, a seriously tough 90-odd minutes for a lot of those players. And if they get it wrong early on, then there's, oh, there's going to be... As a little song goes, there's going to be trouble ahead because they will mm. not be able to recover. They know, you know, straight away, Ronaldo's is Ronaldo's going to get a lot of stick, a lot of stick. They're going to be looking. If he plays, get... if he plays, it'll be doubtful yeah. if he plays. Right? You would have thought now, but yeah. if he plays, he'll mm. get a lot of stick. Obviously, he will. I mean, everything. Just they'll be looking to. They'll be aim, looking to aim at him. They'll be looking to aim at Pogba if he plays as well. They'll be testing Harry Maguire, his resolve, and how he can deal with a little bit of pressure because there's so much pressure. They'll be looking at key, they'll be going for key players and I've named three there. You know, two of them might be doubtful if they're going to play, but um, Harry Maguire is going to play and he'll be tested. They'll be looking and that movement around him when you're talking Diaz, could be Diaz, it could be Jota, Firmino dropping off, so he's got no one to go up against Harry Maguire. It's going to be a testing, testing time. But if they could just even get a point, what a bonus that would be. What an absolute bonus if they were to walk away with a point. But doesn't matter how much I think most people, like yourself, Wayne, who love Manchester United, 
No, there can't be anyone believing a hundred percent that United can go there and nick something because if you judge, if you're looking at everything in life, you're looking at form, you're looking at everything to suggest how they can. There's nothing there. You're looking for individuals. There isn't really an individual. You're looking collectively. You're going no because they've been disjointed all season. So I can't see where it's going to come from. I'm working on a game tonight. I wish something could happen. Give me a really, really good excuse not to be doing it. Because all, all I want to do, Wayne, is I, I want to I get on that microphone and I, wanna, I want to be positive as I had been so many, have been, I should say, so many times in Liverpool v Man United or Man United v Liverpool games. I think this is the first time where I'm worried that I'm going to come across as negative, too negative from the off, from the off. Uh, no, it is what it is. Um, Red Angle says clutching on straws, but probably, hopefully, this could be the start of a team finally getting together. Yeah, but when does that start? It starts after this, right? Because, I mean, I think that's probably why they're delaying the announcement of the Tenog thing. They, they want to get all the horrendous results out of the way. They don't want it to start. You know, obviously, he's not in charge, but they don't want it to start with a blemish or anything like that. They want to just get all the sort of hiccups out of the way. And I'm the same as you. My nightmare is, and it's going to be the same for any reasonable Manchester United fan, is that they, because they're still on a really good run, they're still winning games, that they turn us over as heavily as we fear that they're going to do that. And then that becomes one of the most standout results on their way to winning a quadruple, which is, I mean... I'm one of those where I can look back and I can sort of I can look back at our trebles and doubles and say, oh, you know, we, we were in a really competitive league and everything like that. Um, And I can look at City winning any number of trophies. I look, they won the domestic treble and I remember how close we came to winning it in 94 and thinking what an achievement it was. But I can look at City doing it and thinking, oh, it doesn't really count because they've spent all that money. But if Liverpool do it and if they surpass it and it counts because you can't argue with what they've achieved and the way that they've built the squad in in the resources that they've had to do it but you've got to suck it up and take it as difficult as that um, would be and I think for a lot of us who have like yourself been at a life well off your life and now being more than off your life has been connected to United mine as a supporter as well I just think everything that we've, you as a player, you, the things that you achieved, the, the period that you played in, the the things that you were setting in in place, you know, for the future generation of that, you know, you were you were building those first blocks of the comeback of was winning the titles to get to twenty titles and to become the most successful team in England. You were a part of that process, and I, you know, I, I witnessed it all as a fan, and I just. Now watching everything, that it's just a weird thing. Like I'm looking at these eleven players who are going to be on the pitch tonight, and they're not going to get that. Even De Gea, even if he played Ronaldo, the two players that I would always hold free of accusing them of low standards, even Verón on that that score. But I look at these eleven players who are going to play for us, and they're not going to know all this. They're not going to think of this historical perspective of what it means if, if they lay down like they did in October and really what laying down in October 
meant for where they are now because it gave them the confidence to go on and play like what they did. And that's my big fear with this United team is that they're just not going to really get it. And it's so important. I mean, I don't want to be one of those clubs. I never want us to be one of those clubs who go, you know, like become like, oh, you remember like there's been plenty of teams like that over the year who just turn up for the big game. And because it becomes somebody else's cup final, United are always meant to be the cup final team who everyone treats like you were saying earlier about Wimbledon and all the teams they treat United that way. But they've got to do it for themselves tonight. You know, it becomes a bigger thing because of that, because of what it represents in the long term in a historical rivalry. And if they don't, then there's no way back. There isn't any way. There's no way back for these players, but at least have something, at least do something because, um, yeah. Well, anyway, um, so we're going to follow that, um, Paul, very quickly. Arsenal, we're going to be talking about them next week. So United going to Anfield. Yes, if we lose and if we lose ever late, it might be damaging to the Champions League hopes. But the way that this league has gone, if we win at Arsenal at the weekend, then... It's back in our, not in our hands, but we're back in with a chance again, especially if we get a good result tonight and then do well against Arsenal. And it, I said this at the weekend, like United win and Arsenal lose and, and Spurs lose. Like you said, deservedly so Spurs lost. Um, it's so, it's, for me, it's symptomatic of a poor league. How, how poor can this league be that United are so bad and still in with a chance of uh, getting to the Champions League. But if they get positive results tonight and at the weekend, we're in that race again, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, that's how mad it is, really. Three, three so-called Super Six, one, you know, three of the teams in the led Super Six are poor, poor this yeah. season. The only way for them they can, is to go up. So yeah. anybody, if you if the likes of West Ham, if they're going to grab anything, it's got to be this season because there might not be another chance. But... Top Arsenal, we saw a few weeks back, the press were going mad about them, Arteta this, Arteta that, no different to Conte. United, everyone's just looking there, just asking questions, yet they're still in the hunt and they could get in the Champions League. God knows what will happen next season when they're in it, but they can still get in it. Manchester United, Champions League, they go together. But the standard of the players at this moment in time, they shouldn't really be anywhere near it. None of these sides should be anywhere near the competition. But... That's the way it's going. That's what's happened at the moment. The doors, they made the doors bigger so they can squeeze them all in. And to be honest, the most brilliant European competition is Europa League. That's got more life in it than what the Champions League is. The Champions League is quite sterile in a certain way. We know we get, you've got a picture of what's going to happen at the end already. And that was from, yeah. you know, that, that was from months back. We knew what could, could happen and what we believe was going to happen. And it, it's happening at this moment in time. And they're trying to, escalate it even bigger so um this is not much fun at the moment qualifications is so important financially but as something to watch i don't i've, I've lost a little bit i've drifted away yeah yeah um and it's one of those um double-edged swords isn't it you want united to do as well as they possibly can but you also don't want them to get embarrassed and yeah Obviously, we finished second last season. A lot of these players, I think, believed that um, that sort of press story, like the press line that Ollie was holding them back and that they were, um, you know, that they were underachieving or something. And they've seen very clearly that that's not the case. 
Uh, Ajmal Cosman says, nice to catch this show live. Ajmal, is it? I hope that I've pronounced that right, mate. Thanks for your support, by the way, on, on social media. Good good for you to um yeah, good for you to catch it live as well. Um good friend of the show. Um and always leaves good comments as well. Um yeah, look. It's nice for United to achieve. We don't want us to get embarrassed. And I think a lot of these players um, felt that they were better than what they are. Um, they felt that Ollie was holding them back. And they've sort of seen that that's not the case, even though Ollie was out of his depth. And I, I don't know. It, it's a very strange week for United. This that, you know, do we want. It's almost like, do you want to be. Um, do you want to be in a position where you're. Um, going for the Europa League, do you know what I mean? Are we better to finish fifth than fourth or sixth? Do you know what I mean? You don't want to be in the Graveyard League. You don't want to be in the Conference League. But the Europa League, United Standard, they might have a chance of doing something in there if, if they are in it. And you want United to be in European football or just free of it completely because, you know, um, the embarrassment. A lot of people say that United being in European football, even if it's a Conference League, that's what United are supposed to do. I just, I dread the idea of United being in this Conference League and then the club building it up to be something big. When you know it's, it's just a thing. It's a definitive week anyway for this season. We've said that many times, but we will be back next week to talk about um, Arsenal and Liverpool, um, or maybe we'll just talk about one of them. Or maybe even neither of them, if they're, if they're that bad. Maybe we'll just um, talk about history again because I enjoyed doing that. It's the most enjoyable part of the show today, looking back at the um, the Norwich game from '93. Um, Agra says it's 5 a.m. here in Cold Canada. It's actually warm in Manchester. Would you believe it? Um, so I'll be going out to enjoy the, the rest of this day. Um, yeah, crucial week for United. If you've enjoyed the show, please give us a, a like and subscribe social media really appreciate that and, and you know review if you're listening back on the audio one as well uh we'll be back next week to talk about those games um, stay well stay safe thanks for listening and thanks for watching the talk sport fan network is proudly teaming up with free for mental health awareness week this year as football fans we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds however when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.